Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. I love doing that. Hi. (laughs) All right. uh, Just came back from Florida last week. For the first time ever, I went on vacation purposefully, like just to do nothing. It's wonderful. If you've never done it, you should do it. I didn't believe in this doctrine. Now I'm a firm believer in that. You have to have those times in the year when you just go and you deliberately plan to do nothing. Ooh, feels good. Except my wife turned me into zebra. She used the sunscreen spray. And she was shiny. She, was, uh, she, she thought we might run out of it, so she did this. And that's exactly what happened to me. I became red, white, red, white, red, white. I was embarrassed. I couldn't take it off my shirt anywhere. Well, anyway, it was fun, but it's fun to come back to Ohio. This is my home now. For those of you who are here for the first time, you might detect a little accent. Uh, English is not my native language, so you might hear God today with Russian accent, which is fine. As we were worshiping, Kirsten, I think the Lord told me something about you. The Lord told me that He is leading you into such a sweet personal relationship with Him that will be like a honey. And that will transform you into a lioness of God. Very bold, very courageous, audacious, like just, just lioness, you know, fighting for little cubs. You know, you don't want to mess with a lioness. So just receive it by faith, all right? All right, cool. Yeah, pray for God to give those kind of words of encouragement more to people. Okay, now let's start officially. I'm a preacher now. Not, not, not a stand-up comedian anymore, all right? Okay. So that's been a long series, 18 messages, 19 with an introduction that Neil did, and I did the first message, and I got a privilege of wrapping it up for us. It was very rewarding, very encouraging, but it's impossible to summarize. Come on, 18 messages. I cannot give you a short summary, but I'll try to give you like one paragraph. The series we called, not Dennis Kozlov, we called it Radical Growth, Radical Growth. And I try to give a summary of what this radical growth that the New Testament speaks about and invites us into is. It's a call, listen to that, I'm trying to give a definition of this process. It's a call to see and appropriate everything that God has already done for us in Christ Jesus. I'll say it again, it's a call to see clearly And to appropriate everything that God has already done for us in Christ. We we undergo this process so that the risen Christ would become our life. And our living would begin to exhibit and express Him. We get hold of the truth of the Word of God. And let it affect us in such a way... That our thoughts, our mindset, our feelings, and ultimately our experience is transformed. Right now, we're just like anybody else in this world. So our experience tells us 
a lot of things about us and the world and we unfortunately say amen to our experience so your experience may tell you that you're not very smart or something else but we take this word of God and we learn what God has to say about us in Christ Jesus and even if it doesn't feel like true we say no if I get to choose between what the world and my experience screams about and what the God says I choose God's story I choose God's side yes in the beginning I may feel like an imposter but I'm no I'm not I'm relying on the revelation of the Word of God so we start with faith remember okay so New Testament has a lot to say about this growth why does God want you to grow because he wants his people to become his body for real you know right now most of Christians we're just congregations of people we congregate we do stuff together but you know the body of Christ is not just an abstract term it's a reality if you read the book of Acts God actually reaches out touches people through his members when Paul persecuted the church Jesus showed himself to him and said why are you persecuting me he didn't say why are you persecuting my people he said why are you persecuting me if you have received Christ as your life he fully identifies himself with you to such an extent that if anybody messes with you he might come to this person and say why are you touching me why are you raising your hand on me why are you persecuting me all right so this oneness this amazing oneness God wants us to grow so that we would become channels of his love and grace to this dark suffering world people are suffering people need hope people need hope people need hope people need to receive love of God and the only way they can receive the love of God is through his body through you and me so for us to be able to exhibit to pour out this love we need to experience this love being poured out into us and that's what the gospel does so our message I believe Neil and I we strive not to give the you truncated message because for centuries Christians preach that salvation is just like fire insurance is salvation from something negative we believe that salvation is not just saving you from bad stuff in your life from sin from curse from corruption it's salvation into something there is we are not plan B there's no plan B there's plan A and God always sticks with his plan A he wants you to become just like his son Jesus all right okay <clears throat> so it's a process growth is a process he wants to develop different areas of your life here comes an unpleasant piece of news for you it's a long process it's unpleasant I mean I, I like fun exciting short quick you know God is smart you know it's like kids are not here right so we're all adults you know there you know there is a difference between conceiving a child and raising a child yeah Lisa said for sure five kids right <laughs> yeah so well anyway so he does give us those experiences like conception they're fun they're short they're quick they're intense oh, Jesus but then there's life and you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta live your life and here comes the common temptation for every Christian and the name of my message today the title of my message is continuance so the common temptation for all of us 
is to get discouraged. <laughs> to get... Be careful about doing stuff while I'm preaching. I, I would be tempted to pick on you, okay? So, so, so to be dis our, our common temptation is to be discouraged, to be disappointed, to, to, to let our hands down and to just quit. That's a common temptation. So there are different people of different ages here. And I know one thing for sure about you. You never grow out of this possibility of being tempted to be disappointed. So you might be like 20 years old. You might be 80 years old. You will be facing a trial. And you will be tempted to give up. You know, we as pastors, we know statistics. Here's the statistics that every pastor knows. 20% of people in the church do 80% of work. Do you know that? Well, now you have to live with that. Go home and figure out what percentage are you part of. But there's another statistics. I don't know exact number, but there are always, any church you come to, there are always people who are just actively looking for a reason to stop coming to the church. But it's not the worst case. The worst case, they're actively looking for a reason to stop believing God, to stop following Him, to just give up, to just live their own life for themselves, to find a good reason to just give it all up. I don't want you to be one of those guys. I want you to be able to endure. I want you to be able to continue. I want you to be able to become unstoppable like Apostle Paul, okay? So a couple of verses <clears throat> about this endurance, about this continuance. Hebrews 10.36, Paul says, well, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. It's not just to begin the process. You need to finish it. You need to finish it. James 1, 2, 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, this is a testing of your faith, it, it produces perseverance, and let the perseverance finish its work so that you... Listen to that. Maybe mature and complete, lacking nothing. That's exactly the place God wants to bring you. Mature, full stature of Christ, lacking nothing, exhibiting the nature and character of God in every circumstances you find yourself in. That's what God wants you to be. That's what you want to be. All right? So Neil said, Dennis, we've done this message. You can just like tie some bows on it and just give it to them. <laughs> I'll try. I'll give you four bows. I tie four bows on it. Actually, I love messages. My ideal is one-point message. But I'm still growing, so I'm not, I haven't reached there yet. So one day you'll hear me preaching one-point message. The, today it's still four. I'm sorry. Let me. Oh. <laughs> so, what I'm going to give you, you need a strategy to successfully overcome those moments of discouragement because they surely come to your life. Maybe some of you are in the middle of this discouragement moment in your life. So, 
I'm going to give you four things that will help you to develop this ability to overcome discouragement in your life. Number one, you need a big picture. You need to develop to gain a big picture. You know, when you have a big picture, you understand what's going on. It's like a big map. You know, you look at where you are and you can say, oh, I'm here. I've already passed that. And here what's coming. So it begins to make sense. If you don't have a big picture, you're just like one day you're happy because something good happens to you. The next moment you're horrible. I mean, you're down. You're depressed because something bad happens. People who develop longevity and they, instead of just being sprinters, they become marathon runners, are the ones who know their route. Are you getting that? You know, this is the principle that it doesn't matter. Even if you're not a Christian, you need a big picture in your life. Otherwise, you will be doomed to live a small life filled with small things, and it will be determined by people and circumstances around you. Have you heard the saying, like, Jesus loves you and everybody has a wonderful plan for your life? <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen to you if you don't let God develop a big picture in you. Because big picture explains things to you. It tells, it, it, it helps you to make sense out of what's happening. Does it make sense? Are you getting it? it so if, if you find yourself as a myopic, like short-sighted person who doesn't really see far, you really need to begin to pray, God, develop this big picture in me. Help me to understand what is it that you're doing in this world and what is my part? What does my life play? What part my life plays in this part? It will be like putting the right piece of puzzle in a big picture. And this will actually make you focused. This will make you strong. This will, make, this will help you to overcome small temptations. This will help you to say no to things. And listen to that. This will enable you to dream big. This will enable you to dream big. You know, ability to dream is from God. You know, what you have today most likely is what you've been dreaming and thinking about in the past. You need to start drinking, uh, drinking, drinking too. I'll tell about it in a moment. <laughs> dreaming big, dreaming big. You know, years ago I read this book, secular book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. How many of you heard of it? Okay, I got a revelation in the beginning of that book because the guy pointed out that Every single thing in this world, listen to that, every single thing, like this podium, this computer, uh, this screen, this building, this church, there was a time when somebody saw it before everybody else saw it. This makes sense? So every single thing is born twice. So it's really up to you whether you would be a person who will be giving birth to big things of God into this world. Because you conceive them before everybody else sees them. You conceive them in your intimate relationship with the Lord. He lets you dream with Him. You dream and you begin to see things that nobody else sees. And then you begin to see them clearer and clearer. And then they, they begin to possess your life. And then you become the conduit of heaven realizing those things outside. You will say, Dennis, I'm old for that. No, you're not. If you're still here, that means God is still growing you. And God still has more things to give to you. And God still wants to develop your ability to dream big. 
Are you getting anything, people? All right, good, 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 good. That's number one. So dream big. And the, the Bible says that my people are perishing because of the lack of, some translations say knowledge, but some translations render it as vision. You need a big picture. So a lot of us suffer from this lack of big picture. So let us pray together and stay with this church because Neil and I, we try to develop this big picture in ourselves and help the congregation to do it. Because you need it personally, individually, but you also need it corporately. All right. That's point number one. What will help you to continue successfully to overcome the moments of temptation is this big picture that God will help you to develop in your life. It will give you meaning. It will help you to walk by faith, not by sight. Second one. Oh, I love this one. This is, this is new. Last week, this wasn't here, this part of platform. You see? You know, I'm pretty confident here. Com pretty, I like it. It's a firm foundation. That's the second one. Firm foundation. You need to have a firm foundation for your Christian walk to continue. And let me tell you. I have found this firm foundation. Neil has found this firm foundation. This is the unconditional love of God, the grace of God manifested in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh my goodness, I cannot tell you. Oh, oh, this is my personal burden. I want to set Christians free from paranoia and schizophrenic theology. When one minute you think God loves you, the next minute you think God is angry with you. One minute God embraces you and endorses you. Next minute He judges you and He rejects you. This is, I'm allowed to say that I'm Russian. This is crap. This is a crappy theology that rendered millions of people fruitless. There's no boldness. If you believe that crap, there's no boldness for you. There's no confidence. Jesus says, the word of God says, come to him confidently knowing that the throne of God is no longer a throne of judgment for you, but a throne of grace and mercy for the timely need. It's the throne of grace and mercy for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. Please, please be free from that crappy theology, from schizophrenia. I, and maybe some of you actually have real condition, medical condition, schizophrenia. Or I, I'm not judging that. I'm talking about that this medical condition is one thing. But I'm talking about the spiritual and mental condition that is imposed on you by the wrong teaching. Amen. You got to be set free. You got to be healed from that. I'll, I'll read you uh, chapter 8. Apostle Paul, you see he's unstoppable. People beat him, stoned him, drowned him, tried to arrest him many times, flagellated him, did all kinds of things to him. They could not stop him. You know why? Here's why. Chapter uh, 8 of Romans, beginning from verse 31. That's Paul, what he's saying about himself, but he includes us. That we as Christians, that's our mindset. Listen to that. Watch this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God 
who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one! No one can condemn you anymore. If somebody tries to condemn you, if somebody tries to accuse you, just do not receive it. Please do not. Because you're sinning, sinning against the truth of God if you receive condemnation. God justified you by the blood of His Son. By the blood of His Son. By the blood of His... I will be broken record in this church for the rest of my life. I will be telling you by the blood of His Son, you're justified. Cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only basis for any kind of relationship that you can have with God. Nothing else. Nothing else. No... No fasting, no prayers, no anything. Please, please. You can fast all you want. You can pray all you want. But the blood of Christ is the only basis. There's no other. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I'm rough with you. I know. Every once in a while. I don't know where I stopped. So he says, who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, shall hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or unemployment, or COVID-19, or like betrayal of friends, or cheating of your spouse, or loss of your loved one, or loss of your child, will any of that separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord? And the answer is no way. No. No. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we live like a lot of things can. Don't. Become unstoppable. Become unshakable. Get this firm foundation in your life. All right? Paul says, For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is, Christ, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This will set you free from fear and religious paranoia and schizophrenia. All right? That's point number two. Have a firm foundation, which is the unconditional love of God, the grace of God. Some new translations render it as a kindness of God. You need to know the love and kindness of God and be so confident in that that nothing can shake you. The next one is fun. Intriguing you. I already mentioned it by the slip of my mouth. Drinking. Be filled with the Spirit. What does this phrase mean? You need to learn to be filled with the Spirit of God. Sometimes we, we pray, Lord, come, fill us with the Spirit. But you know what? Very often the Lord is not going to answer this prayer. There are things in the New Testament that don't tell you to pray for, for God to do something. They just tell you point blank to do it. Amen. You know that? So like, if you live with toxic thoughts in your life, 
It's not because God is not moving. It's because you don't get transformed by the renewal of your mind. You conform to the ways of this world too much. You let too much crappy information, poisonous, toxic information into your life, and it begins to resonate in you, and it begins to, you begin to reap the fruit of that. So you, you can pray all you want. Nothing's going to happen. The same thing here. So God doesn't tell you to pray for the infilling of the Spirit. He just tells you, hey, be filled with the Spirit. So you got to learn to be filled with the Spirit. So listen to me. Why did I bring this point? Because it's, a not, it's not a sovereign move of God that you need to pray for and expect. Of course, there are sovereign moves of God. But for you personally, in your personal life, you need to learn to be filled with the Spirit on a regular basis. Listen to the verse. It's, it's found in uh, Ephesians 5.18. And I didn't put it on my notes. Do we have it here? Oh, wonderful. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, Apostle Paul, he put these things together for purpose. He said, just like you know that it's a choice of a person to have a drink or two or five, and it alternates his mindset and his emotions and how he feels and thinks about the world, and usually it doesn't lead to good things. He said, just like that, you can get high on the Spirit of God. Amen. Am I shocking you? If you read it carefully, that's Dennis Kozlov's translation. He says, don't get high on uppers of this world. Don't get high on drugs. Don't get high on wine. Don't get high on God. You do that. Don't pray for God to get, you know, come and rush upon you. Just you do that. How do you do that? Al, the gazillions of ways if you continue to read this verse on he says you can do it by like singing songs and speaking spiritual gifts to each other you know how many of you have experienced being drunk in the spirit you need to you need to being sober is a sin <laughs> seriously there are too many sober christians and it's a tragedy you need to learn how to forget about yourself because we're so self-conscious. Have you ever seen a drunk? You know, there are two kinds of drunks. Friendly ones and militant ones. You know, I don't like militant ones. They fight too much. I was a friendly drunk before I became a Christian. Well, I was a teenager, so I was not very experienced. But I usually, I drink and I become an encourager. If I notice anything good about anyone, I will just bring it up. But I also tell you bad things about you. So people are like had mixed feelings about me. But you see... You see, you, you, need to, you, need, you, need to, you need to drink of the Spirit. And God is not going to pour it and force it into you. You need to learn to do it. Like you say, Dennis, how do you do it? I'll, I'll tell you my thing. Like for me, just meditating and thinking about what God has done in Christ Jesus, about the cross of Christ and His resurrection, if I spend five to ten minutes, I might be flapping on the floor here. Seriously. One time I was riding, years ago, I was riding on a bike from Springfield to Urbana. And I couldn't find my headset. And I'm, I'm trying to be effective, listening to stuff all the time. And I thought, like, that's almost an hour of riding a bike. So I want to listen. And one hour back, and I couldn't find my headset. So I, I thought, okay, well, I guess I can't be effective in those two hours. 
But maybe I can pray. Oh, that's a spiritual thing. Sounds, sounds good. So I'll be praying. So I get on the bike and I go and I try to pray. And it just doesn't go anywhere. It just, I'm saying words, but it, nothing's happening. So I say, oh, I'll pray in tongues. I pray in tongues. You know, I believe praying in tongues. So I begin, I start doing that. And the same thing. So what's going on, Lord? And then I begin to sense this, like the Lord saying, hey, why don't you be quiet? It wasn't like, shut up, but it was close to that. Like, hey, hey, come on. You, you want to talk to me? Just stop talking, okay? Okay. So what do I do? Just be quiet. And I'm riding my bike. And it's boring. Because, like, you guys do not have an exciting scenery here on the bike trail. It's just flat and it's bushes. So it's bushes and it's flat and I'm riding. And I couldn't listen to any lectures or sermons. And I cannot pray now because Lord said, be quiet. So I'm just, so what do I do, Lord? He doesn't tell me. He just watch. But be quiet. Okay, I'm watching. Uh, bushes. Uh, green stuff. Leaves. Looks like home in Russia. Back then, I wasn't living here. I was still in Russia. I was just traveling here on a regular basis. So, who? Bird. That was a cool bird. I don't think we've, we have those in Russia. Wow, that's... Lord, you did. The, you made this bird. You made this bird. So, uh, the, you you personally took care of creating this specific species of bird with the specific colors. So there's like fingerprints of God on that bird. Whoa! Like oh, that thought kind of got me. I was like, well, there's a bug. Ha! Oh, bug! Fingerprint of God. Ah! Oh! Man, and all I could say, prayer began. My prayer consisted of one word. Yes, Lord. Amen. 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 Amen to this bird. Amen to this bug. Amen. Oh, oh, oh. Well, so then I, I begin to think, oh, like, where am I? I'm in America, but I'm Russian. I live in the other part of the globe. How in the world I ended up here? Oh, it's because... Christian people who believe in God, they saw something in you and they wanted that and they brought you over here. Whoa! I got filled with this. Let me tell you, by the time I reached Urbana, I was, I was getting off the bike. My, my eyes were all watery. I was like, ah. I was in another state. I started one person, very self-conscious, trying to be effective for the Lord or for myself or whatever. And I got there as a drunk. And I didn't care. Drunks don't care. So here's my thing. If you don't learn, I don't know what form or shake will it take for you. Meditation, prayer, Bible, singing. But you need to, you need to learn to, to be filled with the Spirit of God. On demand. That's you. That's not God. That's you. God makes, makes His Spirit available to overflow. You need to learn to, to be filled. All right? It's very important. You, you will be discouraged. What does it mean? It means that you can't have a bad day, actually. You can't. Anything else can go wrong, but you can get filled with the Spirit and don't give a flying rape about what's happening. And just be under open heaven and receive the abundance of grace for whatever you need, all right? I'm not oversimplifying it. You need it. I need it. Neil needs it. Neil needs it big time. Just kidding. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is point number three. And final point. And it's important too. I called it make space for God. 
Make room for God. You see, there are a lot of sovereign things that God does by His mercy and grace. I'm so grateful because, like, if it would be up to me to be saved, I will never be saved. He did not, he did not ask you, really. He kind of grabbed on, grabbed you, got hold of you, come to know you, and then invited you to know Him. But you got known. Well, I'm not going to go there. <clears throat> so what makes space for God is, is based on the reality that God wants you to cooperate with Him. He wants you to become His co-worker. Co-worker. He works, but you co-work with Him. You join yourself to Him. My garage, my garage here in America became a prophetic sign to me in many ways. I have a house here in Northridge. I have a garage for two vehicles. Only one can fit. <laughs> ah, you're laughing, huh? I know why you're laughing. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. Especially here in America, we, things get cluttered very fast. Not only so, we are pathological hoarders. You know, hoarding is a spiritual problem. It's not a just... Hoarding is a spiritual disease that most people need to be healed from because hoarding is an expression of not being able to trust God's goodness to provide. As soon as you find something good, you want to get as much as possible. Right? That's spiritual hoarding. You know, for me, it manifests differently these days. For me, it manifests in like books and sermons. And sometimes the Lord would have to understand, stop, don't listen to, I know it's a good sermon series. Don't listen to that. Just listen to one and just let it sink. Because if you don't let it sink, the next one washes away the effect of the first one. And you keep doing that and you have no fruit in your life. So hoarding is bad. But listen to that. My garage was twice used by God to show me something. When we moved into this house about seven years ago, on the side of this garage, there are like a bunch of bushes. And I was cutting my grass every year, and I would just notice those bushes, and they would tell me nothing. Just bushes. So last year, my wife got hold of a trimmer. And she just decided, I'm going to give it a little trim. Just boop, 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 boop. She cut some branches. You know what happened this year? I did not know it. All these bushes were beautiful lilacs. I never knew that. Lilac is my favorite flower and my favorite aroma. And this year, I worked night shifts. I would come every morning to my driveway. I would open the door and the birds are chirping and the sun is rising. And there's just this wave of aroma. Wow, which hit me. And it feels amazing. And they blossom so richly. Jim DeKaiser, who lives across from me, away, he says this cloud of aroma would hit his house. That's a great picture of you and me. You're just a boring bush. <laughs> but you can blossom. For that, you need a little bit of trimming. And you need to participate in that. You need to actively and purposefully learn to create a space for things of God and for the people of God, all right? And let go of things that God shows you are not fruitful in your life. It says everyone who has this hope of coming, Jesus cleanses his life. It's not a religious duty. It's like, you know, 
in Kroger, sometimes they give you little bits of food for free, hoping that you'll like it and you'll buy the whole batch. That's exactly what's happening. God lets you, every once in a while, lets you taste a little bit of something of heaven. And he says, do you like it? He says, yeah, that's awesome. You want more? Yeah. You have no room to give it to you. How about you clean a little bit and I'll give it to you. God is the one who feels all and in all. He wants to feel a lot of things in your life. But a lot of them are stuffed. There's no room left. So you need to ask God and to learn to declutter your life from things and from people that occupy a lot of room but don't bear any fruit. You will cease to be boring bushes. You will be blossoming lilacs. And the aroma of God's knowledge will be spread around you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.